Do you have parking lined up? That's the key. <laughs> yeah, negative on that either. So no, I'm gonna you're just going to wing it? I'm going to drop them at a tailgate, and then I'll drive around for an hour and a half trying to find a street <laughs> spot somewhere. Oh, God. A street spot? Oh, you mean in, like, yeah, Sun Prairie? <laughs> Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in downtown Milwaukee, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Vetrano. We'll continue to update the frightening situation that occurred in Germantown last night. You had a gunman on the roof of the middle school there while students were inside. There were, it was well after school, what about 6.30 at night? 6.35-ish. So, but students were in the building. I think there was volleyball going on, some other activities Mm. Nobody hurt but for the gunman who was killed by police. And more details still need to come out. No school today in Germantown. District-wide, right? Not mm-hmm. just the middle school. Right. So we're on top of that one for you. Also in Menominee Falls, school board allowed a public bloodletting, if you will, over the fur concerning recently removed books from the high school library. So they took about an hour and a half of public comment. No action was taken. The school board ultimately defended the decision, said procedures were followed, despite some people in the audience questioning that. But nonetheless, this was not an action item. It was just public comment. They let it go for about an hour and a half. And they had a lot of comment. Well, it started with, and as we were talking about yesterday, what's this going to sound like? It sounded exactly like we thought it would be. Packed house and people groaning at one another, some people applauding, some people jeering. It started when the board... I think this was the board president here who said, look, we're going to limit testimony to two minutes apiece. I'm now going to read an excerpt to you from a book in question. It's going to be very uncomfortable for me to read this. And I hope it's just as uncomfortable for you to listen to it. He began to knead his fist against the opening up. Okay, let me clarify here. (laughs) Hello. So that kind of sets the stage. The board president earlier, that was not her speaking, uh, said, look, we're going to take two minutes from everybody who wants to speak. We're going to try to get through everybody, but, you know, here's the deal. That was the first parent who was a perfect stage setter. Okay, this parent got up, and she began reading from one of these, quote-unquote, banned books. And she starts a section, as you heard there, started to get into the rest of what she read. I can't play on the radio. So you can judge... Whether or not that's appropriate to be in a high school library or not, but I'm telling you, I couldn't play it this morning. And she concluded her remarks by saying this. This is not about book banning. This is not about censorship. This is about a school library. If you want these books, go to the public libraries or buy them on Amazon. Okay, so she got things started. (laughs) And we're off. And we were off. A lot of groaning, a lot of... So there were a number, uh, at least one other parent, again, it was an hour and a half, I didn't go through all of it, but at least one other parent also read an excerpt from a book that I couldn't play for you on the radio. And both these parents said, if this, if this is making you uncomfortable, this is available to any kid who walks in the library. So that's that side of the argument framed. number of other parents got up and said, okay, well, your kid's got phones, they got access to all of this stuff. Just reading, cherry picking one excerpt or another out of a literary work isn't fair to the work. And there might be reasons that this does belong in the library. If somebody wants to take a portion of a book, a word, a phrase, a sentence, object to it, say it's obscene, say it's immoral, whatever, fine, have your opinion. Take your opinion as far as your doorway. Don't force your opinion on the community on those students who need those resources. 
So I, I didn't go through and tally up how many were for eliminating these books from the library, how many were against. And even at that, that's not representative necessarily sure. of all of Menominee Falls right. or what the people want in their schools. Ultimately, as you indicated, Eric, they, there was no action taken. This was just public comment. Mm-hmm. And the school board defended the decision, uh, said it was not the board was not directly involved. We still haven't heard from the, the superintendent decision. at all on this, have we? I don't think so. I don't know that, I think uh, they that spoke he offered last any. Night. But the, the board also said, look, we periodically every year go through some books are removed, some aren't. Some are removed because they're not in good condition anymore. Some aren't relevant to a curriculum or whatever. And some, yes, we review for the content. So that's the conversation that played out in Menominee Falls. 6.15 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Southeast Wisconsin Sharp Literacy. Their stated goal is to encourage curiosity, creativity, and discovery and help sharpen critical thinking, problem-solving, and communications skills in area students. Now, their programs are in schools, maybe in your kid's school. They're all over the area, and their signature get-together, a novel event, is a week from Monday. This year, they have a powerful ally and a Green Bay Packers star who is also a children's book author. Here's WTMJ's Tony Cartagena. The biggest thing that's helped me uh, throughout my entire life before football, before anything, is just, you know, being able to take a second and kind of reflect and just reflect on what you have, uh, what you have currently and where you are. Monday, November 6th at the Eagles Ballroom in Milwaukee, Sharp Literacy is hosting a novel event. And this year's keynote speaker, published author, who also has a pretty cool day job. It's second and goal. Dylan, he rode him. Right into the end zone. Touchdown, Green Bay. Packers running back A.J. Dillon and his wife Gabrielle have shown extreme dedication to giving back to the community, something that A.J. credits to their upbringing. My mom did a great job bringing up the idea of giving back when you can, whether it's um, before I had any uh, money or fame or platform, uh, giving back in your time. And so I would do a lot of, you know, giving back in soup kitchens or doing the like can drives and things like that. It was something that we kind of did as a family growing up. Uh, my wife, as well, um, came from a very philanthropic background, uh, you know, and she's always been involved in a lot of stuff. She's actually from Green Bay, um, and so she's done a lot of stuff um, growing up and through high school. And so I think both of us being, obviously, being together and, you know, having the platform that we do, um, you know, I think it was something that came very natural and very organic. Sharp Literacy is a local nonprofit doing incredible work in our community. They provide STEAM-based educational resources to 49 schools in the Milwaukee area. Tickets and sponsorship to see AJ on stage and support a great cause are still available at sharpliteracy.org. That's sharpliteracy.org. Monday, November 6th at the Eagles Ballroom. Yes, AJ Dillon will probably talk a little bit about the green and gold and some football, but also you hear about a little side project he's been working on that came to life this past summer. I've always tossed around the idea of writing a book. Um, I've loved to read and write since I was young. And um, later into the season, I was like, you know what, maybe I'll write this book. And um, after the season ended, um, I tweeted out, just kind of, I wanted to gauge what everybody thought. And I, I tweeted out, I was like, hey, like, should I write a children's book? Or I think it maybe it was like, I'm going to write a children's book. And a lot of people liked and supported it. Quadzilla Finds His Footing is the name of AJ's published children's book. It is available in stores now and is dedicated to AJ and Gabrielle's son, Trey. When I first read him the draft, of the book, he fell right asleep, but he was only like two months. So now he can actually stay awake throughout a whole book and like look at the pages. Reading has always been a big part of AJ's life. 
He said that he and his family still visit local bookstores in Green Bay, which got us talking about his favorite books growing up. I used to love those Rick Reardon books, the Percy Jackson and Lightning Thief. That whole genre, uh, I read all that stuff when I was younger. Once again, Sharp Litter sees a novel event featuring keynote speaker A.J. Dillon, Monday, November 6th at the Eagles Ballroom in Milwaukee. Tickets are available at sharpliteracy.org. Yeah, Packers running back, children's book author A.J. Dillon, that featured speaker for Sharp Literacy's a novel event. Week from Monday, Eagles Ballroom. Video of Tony's conversation with Quadzilla is up on the WTMJ YouTube page right now as well if you want to Take a peek in. I've been to that event, Eric. It's super cool. They got food stations and people hang out, and then the presentation yeah. is always very nice. And the work that Sharp Literacy does That's awesome. in the community is super important. Fun. Contract extension for Giannis. Brandon Snide breaks it down in sports coming up at 645. A pilot is due in court in Portland, Oregon today. He's accused of trying to crash a plane loaded with passengers. This happened on Alaska Airlines Flight 2059. It left Everett, Washington for San Francisco on Sunday, packed with 80 passengers. And in the cockpit was a man named Joseph Emerson. He was an off-duty pilot. He was in the jump seat. Now, oftentimes this will happen where someone off-duty who works for the airline or a pilot will be in the jump seat just hitching a ride. Employee right? of the airline. Right. Yep. It might be a flight attendant to, hey, if there's an open jump seat, I'll, I'll hop, hop this plane yeah. or wherever. Right. Okay. Soon after takeoff. Officials say Emerson tried to cut the plane's engines by pulling the fire extinguisher handles. They're known as T-handles, so they would cut the engines off the plane. The crew had to overpower them. We've got the uh, guy that tried to shut the engines down uh, out of the cockpit. So that's the pilot there saying, Good start. Hey, hey, we're going to have to land, you know, because we need this guy to get taken into custody. He talks a little bit more about it. Seems like he settled down as soon as he, uh, after one moment of going... Uh, a little bit overboard. Yeah, going a little overboard. They ended up cuffing him to a seat in the cabin, landing the plane. He was taken into custody without any issue, really. Strange story. I mean, now he's booked on 83 counts of attempted murder, 83 counts of reckless endangerment, and a count of endangering an aircraft. He's a father of two from the Bay Area, and here, for whatever reason, just tried some, to... Yeah. Some guy who lost his mind? As was far, he drunk? What? Oh, they don't have that in there as far as the passengers. We were told there was an event happening. We weren't told what type. So what goes through your head is a plane issue, a pilot issue, a passenger having an issue. So these T-handles are basically meant to cut the plane's engine shortly uh, if you need to put out a fire, so to speak. Uh, John Nance is an ABC contributor. The T-handle, which is what this individual tried to pull on each engine, actually turns the engine off and prepares it for a fire extinguisher. The problem is, at high altitude, you can get the engines restarted. At low altitude, there could be a fatal result. He wasn't able to do it. They overpowered him. Plane landed safely. Man will now be in court today. How do they not get an explanation from the guy? (laughs) Well, I'm sure there'll be more coming. I believe one is forthcoming. 639 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Keep... 644 on Wisconsin's Morning News, a major and tasty announcement coming today from the Milwaukee Public Museum. Culver's family is involved, yes, of the butter burgers and custard Culver's. All right. Okay, so what we're expecting, we talked some time ago, Eric, when we were talking about the new public museum. Museum is designing out its new building set to open in 2027, recognizing the need to carry over, at least in concept, some of our longtime favorites at the current museum. They've designed a gallery called Milwaukee Revealed. And the designers call that gallery a nod 
to our beloved streets of old Milwaukee. We took our inspiration from the streets of old Milwaukee, which is a very powerfully nostalgic exhibit for so many people. Um, we wanted to take the nostalgia and the legacy of that exhibit forward into an equally immersive experience, multi-sensory experience. That's Helen Diviak from Think Design. That's the company working to build out the inside of the future museum. Multi-sensoring, meaning it appears to include a lot of things. So this is, again, for those who are like, oh, they're going to kill the streets of old Milwaukee. They're going to do it, and they're going to do it better. You can Enhance. debate whether or not it still is all the feels that whatever, but that's the whole purpose of this gallery is to sort of recreate in a modern form the you know what we've enjoyed about the streets sure. of old Milwaukee. So in terms of multi-sensory, that may include your taste buds. We knew one of the features of the Milwaukee Reveal would be an operating ice cream shop, or as it would now appear, a custard shop. They haven't said, but I'll connect some dots here for you. Probably going to be the Culver's doing the custard. <laughs> 9 a.m. event at the Culver's in Glendale near Bayshore. What we're told by the museum, leaders from Culver's to announce a donation, share new details about one exhibit in the Milwaukee Reveal Gallery being designed for the future museum. Craig Culver will be there, co-founder of Culver's, his brother Kurt Culver also there. The family has a foundation, uh, Kurt and Sue Culver Family Foundation, so my expectation here is there's a, a big old contribution to the new museum's fundraising efforts from the foundation and then announcement that Culver's will be the custard shop in the new building. And just connecting dots for you there. But the announcement is at 9 o'clock this morning officially. As we stand this morning, too, they need about another $90 million toward the $240 million price tag of the new museum. 646, Brandon Snide's got sports next time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. Giannis and the Milwaukee Bucks have agreed to a three-year, $186 million extension on Monday. That deal includes a player option for the 27-28 season. The Bucks will begin this season on Thursday. The Texas Rangers have advanced to the World Series on Monday night after the 11-4 Game 7 win in Houston. The Rangers will now await the winner of tonight's NLCS Game 7 between Arizona and Philly. And lastly, Wisconsin freshman quarterback Braden Locke was named Big Ten Freshman of the Week on Monday. This after leading the Badgers to a come-from-behind win at Illinois on Saturday. It's time for Extra Points, a sports opinion commentary on Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's Brendan Snide. Life as a Bucks fan, boy, it is good these days. Look, just close your eyes and imagine 10 years ago someone told you that this Milwaukee Bucks organization would be home to the league's best player for over a decade, have another top 75 player of all time, and their third option would be an all-star with the best odds to win a championship. Now open your eyes and wake up. We are all living that dream. Giannis is a buck for years to come, and the team that once was laughed at for decades is now a championship-caliber contender every single season. One of the few reasons why, outside of Giannis, of course, their general manager, who, in my opinion, should be in the conversation as the league's best. Bucks general manager John Horse undeniably stands as the league's premier executive. His exceptional ability to retain the two-time MVP Giannis Adanacumpo not just once, but twice— to me, demonstrates his proudness in building and retaining a championship-caliber team. The first extension of Giannis was a pivotal moment in this organization, cementing the Bucks' future and eventually bringing home the Larry O'Brien Trophy for the first time in 50 seasons. To make his case even more remarkable, the acquisition of Damian Lillard this offseason, one of the NBA's top 75 players of all time, and within weeks of extending Giannis, proved to me and to the world that this guy is all about winning all the time and nothing will stop him. His vision and his strategic decision-making have turned the Milwaukee Bucks into a formidable force in the league year in and year out. 
even with the rules getting tougher to contend. Horst's impressive track record in retaining superstar talent, signing key pieces every single year, and his ability to make high-impact trades have undeniably solidified his status as a league's best executive. The debate is now over. Under his leadership, the expectation in Milwaukee has been infinitely raised. Every year, it is now championship or bust. Bringing a two-time sports writer of the year for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, friend of the program, Lori Nickel. Hey, Lori, can we, I want to ask you about the Giannis thing. Obviously, great news in front of the new season, which tips off on Thursday. But can I just get a pro tip from you at all? I'm taking my <laughs> two juniors in high school to the Badger game Saturday. Okay, we had had this on the calendar because the date worked, and I got my daughter wants to maybe cheer for UW, so got to get her to a football game, right? It's Ohio State, it's under the lights, and it's Halloween weekend. What am I getting into? Yeah, this is kind of like going to Disney World in July (laughs) when it's 100 degrees. I'm not sure what you were. It's going to be so great. You're going to have so much fun. Um, The thing is, do you have parking lined up? That's the key. Uh, Yeah, negative on that either. So you're just going to wing it? I'm going to drop them at a tailgate, and then I'll drive around for an hour and a half trying to find a street (laughs) spot somewhere. Oh, God. A street spot? Oh, you mean in like... Yeah, Sun Prairie? No, it's not. Like, <laughs> Probably. That's the key. Well, you're lucky that the game is later. At least you're not trying to start for an 11 a.m. kickoff. So um, if you guys can leave early and kind of, like, you're you're committed now the whole day. I mean, if you're going to stay to the end of the game, first of all, it's not going to end until, like, 10, 15 p.m., 10, 30 maybe. So, like, mentally prepare yourself for a really, really long day. And if you go online, like there are, I think, three parking spots left that are being sold anywhere between 70 and and $100 if you want to be somewhat near um, Camp Randall. But to me, my, my anxiety drops a lot if I get there early and just sort of take my time and just resign myself to dealing with a lot of people. And um, you're going to pay for parking. And forget it if, you, you know, the nitty-gritty Mickey's Dairy Bar tornado steakhouse like that stuff you know the great dane that's all going to be just packed so be flexible with like either waiting or where you want to eat you know things like that but parking is key the best part to a badger game day in my mind Lori, is the walk from the car to the stadium Usually, if you For park sure. hours ahead of time, you, you can you run walk into the, the band. Oh yeah, he's walking everybody. around. Yes, I just love that atmosphere. It's fantastic. Right, and they have that new Badgerland zone area, that pep rally thing. That's kind of cool. I think that's kind of off um, University Drive. But if you're going to walk by like the student houses and stuff, and all the decorations, those kids will be out partying too for hours <laughs> beforehand. Um, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. You just have to honestly like. Good shoes, lots of water, like have a little bit of plan, whatever the thing is that ticks you off, that drives you nuts, whether it's traffic or spending money or whatever, just try to plan for that one thing, try to control it, and then the rest just roll with it because it will be, my kids are coming home. That's how crazy it's going to be. Like, they're like, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to be part of it. <laughs> so, um, well, my youngest will be back though. He, I said, you got to go. It's just a sophomore. I'm like, you got to go back on Saturday and experience it. So, um, just good luck to you. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, let's talk about Giannis. So what's the reason that Giannis gets this deal done just before the end of the season? And what does it mean for the long-term future of the Bucks here? See, I, I don't know. I think that's baffling as well. I, you know, because he, you know, money is not important to him, but 
his foundation is very important to him and the things that he wants to do with that foundation long term in terms of charity and and um, community efforts will take a lot of money and he kind of wants to finance that a lot on his own so you know the difference between 186 million which he got and what he could have had 250 million on upwards it's it's interesting we won't we won't know until he tells us and I don't know I ch- uh, if the Bucks are going to have a press conference today with him or if he's going to wait uh, until Thursday or whatever. But, um, you know, obviously it means the biggest thing it means is that the people in the state of Wisconsin want to see a second championship, right? They didn't get one with Brett Favre. They didn't get one with Aaron Rodgers. They are looking to Giannis Antetokounmpo and saying somebody with all that talent should have at least two rings. The state and the city should be able to celebrate too. Um, but my read on Giannis is that he doesn't like having this stuff hanging over his head. When he signed in 2020, the Supermax, he was so relieved. You know, he didn't want to go through the whole season of having to answer these questions. I wonder if that was another part of it now, and he just he wanted to get it done. So I can't wait to hear what he has to say about it. It's a good plan. Lori, thanks a lot. I'll uh, report back to you on the Badgers. Please let me know. (laughs) Lori Nickel from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel with us on Tuesday mornings.